Does everybody know what time it is? It's time to die. Whoa. Die. Die. That's That's right. It's grunt work. RIP. Explosive like glycerine. Toolman. Dismantle the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. Drunk with power. Put pressure on and off his head. At home, filling Jill with dread. Drive miles and miles for a while with his little hot rod. G-R-U-N-T is his word of God. He burns it all right to the ground. Or he, he burns it all right to the ground. And it's all so grim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right here. T-O-O-L. Coming out smooth. I want to be like, yeah, Tim. <laughs> Welcome to Grunt Work, the only podcast about the TV show Home Improvement that moltens your lava cake. I am your excellent host, Landon Solano. Joined uh, with me, as always, is Truman. Party on, Truman. Party on, Landon. Uh, <laughs> are we? I didn't remember that song until I watched this episode, and I wish I still had my 45 of it. Do you know what song... I was uh, referencing in this episode. Not in the slightest. What is the song? Wait, is it about, <laughs> let me ask, is it about Wayne State University in some way? Because you were doing it Wayne's is, World. It is not. Uh, okay. It's, the song is called, I Wanna Be, well, in parentheses, Wanna Be uh, Like Mike by Techno, T-E-K-N-O. You've it done... Was, You've done techno before, haven't you? No, I haven't. Because uh, techno, haven't. I, as far as I understand, has only done this one song. Um, it was a Michael Jordan song, and it I think existed only on a single forty-five record, which I had growing up, uh, and I wish I still had because that thing goes for a lot of money these days. <laughs> so, so, so you're 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 going really deep in your really. rap deep cuts, and then and then modifying fact, them to be about home improvement. The most I unique music <laughs> in the world. I wouldn't even classify this as hip hop. It's more of a world pop song with a rap breakdown uh, in the middle of it. <laughs> Well, but the but so the rap breakdown that like yeah. you have like do you have a spreadsheet full of like you just sit around between recording sessions listening to thousands of songs and the ones that have a rap breakdown with lots of words that can easily <laughs> be swapped out for home improvement uh, related lyrics you like star those in your spreadsheet and set those ones aside. No, no, no. I I mean I'm an avid listener to hip hop, so when an episode comes up uh, that I can you know have a thematic connection with, I just. <laughs> pick it out of the ether of my brain and you know change some lyrics uh, they, this they, particular one was like wilson wanted to be like tim and then i'm like mm, i want to like be my what what oh oh that song wasn't there that song uh so like i it, it was a trip down memory lane for me because i had not thought about that song probably in over 25 years <laughs> my my favorite part about what the talk singing has become is that certainly when it's when it's you doing like it, it it turns into then like fresh air with Terry Gross where I'm interviewing you about <laughs> both well, okay what song were you parodying and then what was your process that brought you there I mean it, it really it gets us it's, inside it's what people uh, who are interested in the TV show Home Improvement tune in for <laughs> or or what but, people who are interested in comedy uh, tune in for as well because there's nothing funnier than two guys discussing the artistic process of parody 
talk singing deep cut hip hop singles about That's what makes grunt work unique. Um, yes. I will say though that it is a 90s novelty and there's some crossover between home improvement and 90s you know uh, ephemera so that's true that's true uh, <laughs> uh, I, you can find this song it does not exist on apple music i can't say whether or not it does on spotify but i will post the link to <laughs> to this song uh they have a a version of it on youtube so <laughs> well, i'll post that everywhere uh, sure this whole oh yeah the, the song isn't on apple Podcasts has real my canadian girlfriend energy like i i'm, I'm starting to think <laughs> that you are just writing you're writing your own raps, claiming that they are obscure 90s raps, but actually this show is just kind of your backdoor into the rap game. Um, no comment on that. I do have a comment, though, uh, before we get started with this episode. Already um, there's nothing to comment on. How? Wow, I know, I know. It's not about this episode. It's, okay. Uh, listen, it's an important point I need to bring up. It's an I, okay. apology. Oh, another apology. You're apologizing for a lot of stuff lately, Landon, and I, I respect that. Well, you know, there has to be uh, all of this big talk that we do criticizing this show, other shows, society in general. We live yeah. in a society. We're, yeah, uh, oh, we do. We do. <laughs> if you don't li- uh, if you don't live by the words that you preach, then what's it all for? So I want to issue an apology to you, Chairman, oh. and to our listeners uh, for watching the TV show Friends. <sighs> I appreciate that. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready to accept it yet, but um, maybe if I hear some more apologizing and some reasons behind it, I'll consider uh-huh. it. Um, I Okay, so I put it on. I was looking for a harmless show, and I thought maybe <laughs> I can catch up on a small hole of pop, pop culture that I missed out on for the most part. As I said, I think big, I watched the first three or four seasons when it originally broadcast. But It's a big hole, though. I mean, it's a gaping yeah. hole. That's a lot well, of that hole Here's is what wide. I learned. Yes. Um, you glean what you need to know about friends from general pop culture. You don't mm-hmm. need to watch the show to know anything more about it than what pop culture shoves down your throat. Like there's there's like a little bit of friends in the drinking water so yes. that you, you just get it. It's like floridized, it's friendsized. <laughs> it you, is. You absorb it from your environment. Uh, and I, I'm putting the show in the friend zone, if you will. Um, You're not going to have sex with the show i'm never gonna have sex with this show uh it is the least sexy show i i think okay i do a lot of criticizing of the show and have in the past i've tried to curb it a little bit more um in recent seasons of home improvement uh but i truly think friends is a much more uh toxic and dangerous show uh in terms of values that it's uh putting out into the world than home improvement ever has been Wow! Wow! That like what? What? What did? What was your? What was your friend's pill moment? What was the moment that you realized? <laughs> oh, this okay. is this I, is I, dark I, and evil. I want to. I want to issue an alert to people. If you if you don't like my Tarantino Tar- Tarantino tirades, uh, tirades, Tarantino tirades, sure. Um, then hit the hit the skip button <laughs> because this is a home improvement podcast. I realize that. Uh, and this is just going to get a, a negative tirade for a few seconds or minutes. Um, yeah, yeah let, let's go with minutes. It's going to be minutes, not seconds. <laughs> Friends. Friends puts out into the world a level of latent homophobia, mm-hmm. transphobia, okay. uh, fat phobia, and single shaming that is made all the more dangerous by its popularity 
Yeah. Uh, and I think that it sets unrealistic standards for friendship. Like, th- we complain on Home Improvement about Tim's buddying around in locker room talk with Benny and the boys uh, at yeah. the hardware store. Yeah. But the level, there, it's, there's just a level of spite behind every single line that is delivered between friends on this show that is so rotten to the core. Um, that it's nauseating to watch, to be frankly honest with you. Um, So, so, so it's like you're, you're looking at it and then you're looking at the world outside and you're just kind of connecting the dots of like, oh, this is how we got here. We all like, you know, the, the, the toxicity is coming from inside the show, basically. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that, you know, it's responsible for, like, the 2016 election or anything like that, but <laughs> there's a certain, no. you know, worldview that I think I think it's fair to say that while it might not have created, it certainly uh, helped usher in the age of Karen. I, look, and I, I think also, I mean, we got to look closer to the 2016 election because I think, like, 100,000 people <laughs> wrote in Joey on their ballots instead of voting for Hillary Clinton. We could have saved so much trouble. Um, there's okay. So one of my my anti Hollywood crusades has been uh, fat shaming. I think that we need to just yeah. eliminate fat suits out of the Hollywood vernacular. That oh, absolutely. Has never been funny to me. Um, and I know there's a what's that rock Central Intelligence? I think it was where like, yes. they got around it by just superimposing his face onto a large person, which uh, is. Not better. Somehow <laughs> worse in a way. Well, because it's not because it's not only offensive uh, to to fat people, but then also it's like it's making like it's also just uncomfortable and uncanny valley to look at. So not only is it yeah. offensive, but it also makes everyone in the audience uncomfortable to see. <laughs> Gives them nightmares. So yes. I think this makes another correlation to home improvement where Tim is constantly making fun of Al's mom. But Al's mom is never a character that we see and therefore can't relate to. So as unfunny as Tim's jokes are, they can still exist in the abstract. Yeah. Where on Friends, they make, you know, uh, Monica used to be fat when she was a kid. And so they have, you know, flashback episodes or videotapes of Monica in a fat suit. And Uh. then for the rest of the series, it's just making jokes at the expense of her having been fat and eating a lot and, you know, uh, posing a threat to, you know, Ross's, you know, structural integrity because he was afraid she was going to eat him. Stuff like that, where it's just like, what the Ah. what the fuck is going on here? Um, well, so there's that, and I'm not even going to touch the the latent homosexual uh, homo homophobia that's in that yeah. uh, show, which is in every episode. Uh, but it has a level of toxic masculinity that is specifically, you know, like here's I'm just I'm doing my due diligence to try to connect this to home improvement. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, well, look, we got to we got to tangentially connect all of the weird yeah. bullshit we talk about back to the show. Yes. Okay, so you know that's the thing that we've rallied against this show about for years uh, is the kind of toxic masculinity here. But at least it balances out Tim's stuff with Al unapologetically being a sensitive masculine man, and, uh, and with. And with Jill kind of holding her own, more yeah. or less, as a woman. Like, the writers don't always... Well, and I think those are yeah. two two different arguments there. I, you know, we can sure. get into the... Well, I'm not the person to talk about the feminist 
yeah. issues uh, on display on either show. But um, I think that the masculinity in terms of how men react to one another and how they're expected to behave yeah. uh, between the two shows, like, yes, Home Improvement is unapologetic about Tim's character, but it balances it with Al, whereas on Friends... What it does is there's not an overly masculine character in the way that Tim likes cars and tools and yada, yada, yada. It is more intensely critical of the fragile male than it is uh, about hoisting up the the ultra-masculine male. So it's like so, you anything that veers toward, you know, liking, uh, you know, things as simple as color— <laughs> <laughs> you know, knowing knowing certain colors uh, makes you, you know, I'm using big time air quotes here, like a sissy. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's in every single episode. There, All three of the male characters n- do not at any moment want to be misconstrued even a little bit that their actions or thoughts could be construed as somewhat homoerotic. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so I guess, I mean, so what you're saying, because I've had the opinion lately as we've been watching Home Improvement that like, wow, you know, I mean, obviously the show is not perfect and it's a product of its time, but it really seems like Home Improvement has improved in the way that (laughs) Tim relates to the others and and the way that Tim is presented and the way that he and Jill interact. Like, it's not Mm -hmm. perfect, but it's... Like, they, like over the course of the show, it's gone from eh to better. And you seem to be suggesting yeah. that Friends, uh, which I think was even more wildly popular than Home oh, Improvement. Insanely. St- well, maybe it might have. I think their their peaks happened at different times. but uh, I guess, yeah, it was on yeah. longer. But Friends, Friends, w- Friends peaked after Home Improvement ended. So, so Friends was doing bad shit, and then it was working, and there was no internal move to course correct like the one we seem <laughs> to have seen at Home Improvement over the past few seasons. Yeah, yeah. I say that Friends gets worse as each uh, season goes on, and it goes until 2004, 2005, or something like that. And, you know, there is a certain degree of, like, you know, it was the times that we lived in. Like, that was the sort of humor that was funny to a degree then, uh, and that's part of the systemic problem that we're trying to move past. Uh, And I realized the second that you say systemic problem, people are like, oh, get on to the fucking comedy already. And so I want (laughs) to start to wrap this up. I I get we're getting a little too deep in the weeds here. But um, all of it to say, I after watching Friends feel like. uh, Tell me, tell uh, me how many seasons. (laughs) Wait, no, no, no. Wait, how many? The show ran for 10 seasons and And I gave up. I, I abandoned the show before that. Um, (laughs) the fact that folks, the fact that he doesn't want to tell us means that he probably watched quite a lot of seasons of friends. So let's, I mean, okay. Let's take him seriously. When he says this Landon did not, he doesn't give up on things. I don't, uh, gently. He is a completionist. So, so take him at his word. He didn't just watch two episodes and come to this conclusion. Uh, that's true. Yes, um, and I am not quite. I, I'm ready to apologize, but I'm not quite ready to divulge all of the information about my experience with the TV show Friends. Um, look, we've been talking for 15 minutes. Most of that has been about me and Friends. I just want to issue an apology to you for going in that direction. I want to apologize to our listeners not only for watching the show but for talking about it this long. Um, fuck Friends. 
let's move on to Home Improvement, a show that I now appreciate all the more. Well, first, Landon, I do accept your apology. And you know what? Look, better to, you know what? I'm glad that you tried it and and came to this conclusion so that I don't have to try it and come to that conclusion myself. <laughs> Thank you for jumping on that grenade for me. And hey, look, it and made, there's oh, it, so much more to talk about with it, but I don't want to. So we're know, not well, going to. Look, it, it, it enhances. I'm glad that it was able to enhance the flavors and the enjoyment of Home Improvement, the show that we're making a podcast about, <laughs> the show that we watched an episode of today. That's right, we did, and um, I watched mine today. Usually, I watch it the day before, but I watched it uh, today, um, and I know what it's about, and I'm hoping that you know what it's about, so that you can tell our listeners what it's about. I think that I do, but let's uh, let's compare notes on this. I have. Do you think we'll ever innovate a way to be a little funnier about getting no. into the episode? No, no, we never I, will. But no. I don't think that means we have to stop trying. No, I mean, no, we've got like that's what people tune in for is the us trying and and <laughs> failing and falling flat on our faces. When that's Wilson, the work part. Okay, good. When Wilson, yeah, because there's no more grunts, but there's still the work. Oh, there's the work. <laughs> When Wilson attends a coffee house open mic night to share some wild stories from his world travels, he's humbled by a review from a theater critic who complains that he's out of touch with everyday Americans. Determined to get in touch with the common folk, Wilson starts shopping at big box stores, buying tons of pork rinds, literal tons, and invites Tim and the guys over to watch the big game. Meanwhile, Tim and Al compete to see who can make the most delicious pairing of two seemingly unrelated foods. <laughs> uh now i'm not out to criticize your your synopsis but there are two two things there one i don't think it was an open mic was it, it I, I, I mean think, maybe i think it was maybe, scheduled it, like it he didn't just show up and like put his name on a you know lottery list and say hey okay you're going to be performing uh or you're not going to be performing but thanks for coming anyway Okay, I, I, the, true but it had huge open mic energy like, it did, just in it terms did. i'll of give you that coffee shop weirdos getting up there doing yeah. weird stuff like no real uh filter for what's going on but what's your second point? fair point second point Roast is me. um yeah. i don't think that the, it was any kind of big game i think it was just a game so there's just a little bit less stakes on the table in terms of their basketball watching but um again and, and that's neither here nor there and and actually it was mini pizzas on the table and not steaks so you burnt <laughs> uh, uh right you're right steaks were on the uh <laughs> on the tool timetable Yes, that, very true, very true. Um, and, you know, I would say the game, it, maybe it wasn't a big game, but the game was big in terms of its significance to Wilson in the moment because it seemed to true. be the first sporting event he's okay. ever watched in his life. Fair point, sir. Uh, Thank you. I will, Thank you. I'll give you that one. Uh, Th this is so... the kind of this is the kind of easy <laughs> give and take and, like, uh, uh, you know, uh, acknowledgement of, of you know, uh, oh, yes, you were right about that. I was mistaken. Thank you. Good point. You don't get that on Friends. You only get no. that on podcasts about the TV series Home Improvement. Why did you go get divorced again? Um, Whoa. Oh, man. Truman. I'm so hurt by that. <laughs> do you want to guess that title? Yes, Landon. I do want to guess that title. I have three options. And, and, um, I, and it, I'm going to tell you this right out the gate. I've already given you your hints. You've already given me my hints. Yes, oh, I have. Dear. So there are no clues. You've already received them. Do you want to guess that title? What? Oh, man, now I have to think. This is the problem. I don't <laughs> go, I don't go back to the last 20 minutes of the show. I, 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 uh, yeah, they're somewhere buried in there. You, you Da Vinci coded them into <laughs> all of your 
all of your friends banter. Oh, man. Okay, so the, the moral of the story is I have to listen to you when you talk. Damn it. Okay. <laughs> Three options here. Okay. Uh... And then I'm going to take a long second to think after I give these three to see if I can catch it. Okay. Okay. First one, food for thought. Ooh, I like that. Thank you. I want. I wanted to say for a brief moment of vulnerability, the likes of which you wouldn't get from a man on Friends. Uh, I'm not really proud of any of the titles that I came up with. I really worked hard on it, but I just couldn't. Some episodes are more fruitful than others. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Second episode. Second option. First episode. Whatever. 17th episode. 17th episode of the sixth season, probably more than 100. Uh, second option, Triumph of the Wilson. Mm, I think I may have done okay. this one in the past. I, Another reason I like proud. I like that. Um, and you can reuse titles as long as they're not the actual title of an episode. Uh, sure, I guess I can. I like I that mean, minus the you know Nazism Reifenstall. Is Reifen, Lena Riefenstahl do that one? Riefenstahl. It is. It is Lenny Riefenstahl. Yeah. I. Yeah. yeah. So you like it, except for the fact that I'm doing a play on a propaganda film made by the Nazis. Okay. Great. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, exactly. Other than that, crystal clear. Uh, <laughs> wonderful. Um, and last one, which I believe has no Nazi connotations, so everybody can you know rest easy. Mm-hmm. Heidi Ho, enjoy the show. <laughs> Again, folks, uh, this man does things he's not proud of. Listen, okay, I I think you need to do some journaling on yourself, uh, because if you're not proud of that title, I don't know what kind of title you'll ever be proud of. It just wasn't the, it didn't have the kind of characteristic Truman Caps wordplay that I like to try and bring to this game. You know, it's it's a triumph of the Wilson did, but it had some other connotations that came with it. I and I hate that so so often. I come up with a great idea, but then it's like ah, but it's actually a reference to a Nazi thing. Girl, why does that keep happening? Um, So okay, but you've already given me the clue though for what yes, I've already given you multiple clues. To be perfectly honest with you, Uh, oh man, so I'm Uh, not going to give you any. mm, 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 mm. Um, well, I. You were telling me that it wasn't an open mic night, and you were <laughs> saying that we watched the episode today, and you were talking about that really deep cut rap song by Techno. Is this yeah. episode called Techno? Techno Wilson? <laughs> no. Techno Prisoners? No. Te- now, now, Techno Prisoners, that's the kind of Truman Caps <laughs> characteristic wordplay that I do like to bring to the situation. And as you can see, I came up with that on the fly, so I do have it. It's just sometimes the material's Fair. there, sometimes it isn't. Techno um, Prisoner is what I felt like when I, the one time I went to the Detroit Electronic Music Festival. <laughs> <laughs> Against uh, my will. Uh, oh, okay, you, were, you were taken as a prisoner to the Detroit Electronic Music yes. Festival. Um I don't, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with, uh, wait, uh, high stakes. Ooh, um, that would be good if this was a a very special episode about, uh, someone getting high for the first time. Uh, Someone getting high and grilling, that's, that's really (laughs) what it would be about. I actually think we have an episode like that to look forward to in the future, but, um. There's a weed episode of Home Improvement? How have you not told me this until now? I think there is. Uh, not, oh, to, not to spoil the fun it's for you. It's probably going to be Brad. It's going to be Brad. I oh, know it. Uh, <laughs> or maybe Mark. Okay. Um, yeah, that's my guess. It's not right. It is Wilson's World. You son of a bitch. <laughs> wow. 
I'm sorry. I, I, you know, no apologies to your mom. I didn't mean that. You wacky dude. Okay, that's why you were saying the the, the Wayne's World stuff up front. Wilson's World. Interesting. That's right. I don't. I don't get it necessarily. Well, I don't know. I guess I do get it in that he's trying to share his world with the world, and the world rejects it. But I don't know. Um, I think it would be. It's another title that I feel like could be better suited to a different type of storyline of like yes. Wilson having to like guest on tool time. Uh, yeah. Which he's you know, done like four times now <laughs> or not even like guest, but like co-host it for some weird circumstances that come up. Tim gets his legs broken or something and has that's to, not a, you know, guest host it with, with Al. I don't know. That's something not like a that. weird circumstance. Tim breaks his legs all the time. That is a normal <laughs> circumstance, but he broke them um, reading a book. Uh, what? <laughs> the, wait, like he's reading the physician's desk reference and he drops it on his shins like something out of uh, something out of misery or something like that good god oh man this episode okay. aired yes. on february 18th 1997 directed by andrew sow and written by jennifer salada uh she this is the second episode we've seen of hers the last one was games flames and automobiles so uh i think i like what jennifer's doing i like what she's yeah. laying down Okay, interesting, interesting. I want to, I am sorry, I want to, brief aside, I just said like a deliverance thing. I meant like a misery thing. There is not a famous shin-breaking <laughs> right. scene no. in deliverance. Another, uh, and I'm glad you caught yourself because I've been called out for not calling you out on certain things. Uh, I knew what you meant when you said it. Uh, my mind did the calculation. Uh, I just didn't, you know, uh, I didn't correct you in the moment because I'm anyone- a good friend. Anyone who's been calling Landon out for not calling me out, you're just jealous that you don't have the same kind of symbiotic friendship where we finish each other's uh, uh, poorly made movie references. <laughs> to, to be fair, you did say the Detroit Pacers <laughs> instead of the I Pistons. Said, That's what oh, we both got called out for. <laughs> oh, 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 wait. I didn't know a sports thing. Okay, anyone tuning into this fucking podcast, listening to me talk after four years, expecting me to know a sports thing. Look, I'm still I'm still hating myself for, in a previous episode, mixing up Huey Lewis in the News and Rick Springfield. Like, that's that's my territory. That's a thing I should know. But don't expect me to know a sports oh thing. God. I'll get sports shit wrong all day long. <laughs> I, uh, 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 fuck it. The, uh, 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 the, the New York Dodgers. Boom, there. I just oh, fucked up a sports thing. This oh, hey. The Mississippi 49ers. So okay, I'm going to push us forward. Um, yeah. I thought that this episode, um, there were a few moments that made me laugh out loud really hard. Uh, Mark in particular, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, and then there were some moments, uh, I would say a good chunk of the episode, where I had to face palm and then watch the rest of it through my fingers. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> so, but you, but you said that you liked what the writer was putting down, which is I, interesting. I like, I liked. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's it's an enjoyable episode. Um, it's just so steeped in. Eh, we don't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I. And I want to I want to go out of my way, like, since we mentioned the writer, I just want to make this blanket statement that I think I've made in the past. Whenever I'm critical, we're critical of an episode of Home Improvement, I- I'm never taking shots at the writers or the people who wrote it or like, girl, why didn't you do better? Like, because it's right. Writing well, you something you can, and- but a sitcom is, you know, not written, even though it's credited to one writer. You know, there's an entire writer's room. There's a, an entire mythos of, you know, that you have to step into. I, yeah. I find it hard, you know, producers and, and cast members, 
so many people and, have the say over the trajectory of any given episode that it's hard to place the blame on executives. Place yeah. the blame on any one person. So uh, yes, yes. yeah, I, I'm totally with you there. Um, and and it, so with that being said, I thought this episode kind of sucked. Uh, instead of, I'm totally with you there. I'm gonna say I'll be there for you. Go on. <laughs> no, no, Landon, you're you're going back into it. <laughs> Get out of that fountain. Close your umbrella. <laughs> leave that that apartment that there's no way you could afford on your salary as a waitress um i just i i just i thought you know i was kind of taken aback by by the degree to which i didn't like this episode because it like i have been i don't know i feel like this i feel like home improvement has really improved as i was saying like 20 minutes ago when we started this episode uh (laughs) like it's it's gotten a lot better lately and it's done a lot of things that i've really been happy about and this one just was like eh, i feel like this one was kind of a miss i feel like the concept was interesting but i feel like it was padded out with a lot of filler that didn't really work the b plot about food missed me completely and um <laughs> maybe maybe i enjoyed the that plot because the the content of the other plot the wilson plot got a little like oofy um mm-hmm. and, and i don't know I, I mean it's really just parts of his performance and then something that tim does at the end that i'm like oh no um no. <laughs> but, you know, I get what you're saying. I'm not going to go to the mat for this episode at all. Um, but I, there were moments in it that I really enjoyed. Uh, I guess it's just like panning for gold now. Like most of it's going to be muck. But every once in a while, there's going to be a little bit of gold dust that comes through. Once again, you are Tom Waits and Buster Scruggs just yelling, <laughs> yelling about Mr. Pocket. He's going to he's going to find that gold and, and I guess shoot a dude in the process. <sighs> uh, well, do Is you there... want to? Yeah, is there anything what? else you any reflections you want to go into? And I want to just dive into this episode and just and just go find the gold that we're that we're talking about. All right. Well, then, ooh, deep diver, I believe we can get us through these notes. You're still you're still doing it, huh? We're really just going <laughs> to the whole the whole show, folks. The whole show will be talk singing by the time we get to the series <laughs> finale. This I promise you. So we start out on tool time. I do like this. A bit that has been done before. We start yeah. on tool time with just the aftermath of one of Tim's bits. And again, <laughs> yes. a true comedy sometimes is, is the jokes you don't tell. So yep. it's just uh, a couple of firemen extinguishing um, uh, like a, a burnt out stove. And the <laughs> grunt creep is using a fire extinguisher as a jetpack to fly up and off screen. Just, I, I don't even think he's using it, not intentionally as a jetpack. He's just, he's so... I don't know. Maybe he's built from a really light steel that the mm, yeah fiberglass yeah pro- propulsion from the extinguisher uh, blows him around. And I will say, have you ever used a fire extinguisher? <laughs> I I, ne- I never have, but I am I I bought one specifically just yeah. in case I need it. And I've always been kind of like, if I have to use this, I don't have any firsthand practice, and I'm scared of what it'll do to me. It's, have you used it one? It takes you by surprise. The thing is. You won't be scared of the extinguisher because the thing that you have to use the extinguisher on will trump any of your fears that you <laughs> true. have. True. That's very true. That's very true. We had a, a – I mean, in a, I don't mean to make light of this because it is a pretty traumatic moment and I still have issues with fire. But we had a, an apartment fire years ago and uh, oh, yeah. I ran down st- – I, I got to break the glass with a little metal ballot. Oh, and, my God. You know – grab the extinguisher and run down someone had started a dumpster fire in our carport uh and that thing metaphor that thing uh has some blowback on it for sure i had no 
uh, idea what I was getting myself into. I mean, it wasn't like shotgun level, but I can understand how if the grunt creep is made of aluminum, that it would blow him around the screen like it does. <laughs> my my only frame of reference for the amount of blowback a uh, fire extinguisher has is a Simpsons episode where Bart is sitting on a uh, sitting on a wheelie office chair using a fire extinguisher <laughs> to blast himself around an air uh, or warehouse, and it looked Perfect. really fun. Yeah, <laughs> I think they do that on the office too. But um, okay, so they uh, uh, Tim comes to a flat circle basically. Go on. <laughs> Tim, Tim is just burnt an oven. Tim's. Uh, mistakes are now very much like scary stories, which is the monster's always scarier on the other side of the door, and Tim's mistakes are always funnier on the other side of the commercial. Um, yes. And so, but they're getting on with the show. It's Men's Cooking Week. Uh, yep. And Al says, "Well, uh, that was a hasty end to our flambe dem- uh, demonstration." Uh, <laughs> Tim says, "Never soak your peaches in jet fuel." <laughs> That got me laughing a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I know I was being critical, but it, it, that was kind of a strong start. But then, <laughs> then Tim goes on to talk about how the two most important words for a man in the kitchen are can and opener. And uh, Al says, well, on the contrary, I often enjoy preparing an elaborate home-cooked meal. And Tim says, well, it's no surprise that a real man does the exact opposite. And this was when I just typed, oh boy. And I think this might have... <laughs> As a man who enjoys doing some cooking, I think this yes. might have just predisposed me against the episode in general. Okay, fair. It's an early shot against the bow, for sure. Yeah. Um, but Tim says uh, there are actually some innovative chefs in the state of Michigan. Uh, and Al goes, yep, you're certainly right about that. Like uh, this beverage here that was made uh, by a Michigander that has two well-known ingredients. It's called a broccolope. And... Tim first jokes that this is broccoli and antelope, but then uh, it's, uh, it's Al a... corrects. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. No, no, just Al corrects him that it's that it's broccoli and cantaloupe, and it's mm good. It well, sounds Tim, Tim so makes bad. A jo- Tim makes a joke. Actually, I think it sounds pretty good, but uh, Tim makes a joke here. It says, uh, "Okay, uh, it's called broccolope." Uh, Tim goes, "Oh, is that a combination of broccoli and antelope?" And then looks at the camera and goes. Uh, it's the only drink that can actually graze on itself, and I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> I, I'm okay. I mean, I guess, yeah. I, I mean, you know, I, I was. I think I was still smarting from the from the crack Fair. of men who cook. Yeah. I mean, they're coming fast and furious here. Uh, yes. And then, okay, I, I have a point of order here, which is yes. Al then you know picks up this broccoli cantaloupe drink and drinks it, um, and they they've poised this as an innovative, um, you know, concoction of the you know culinary world isn't this just called blending like they just put two ingredients in a blender with some water yeah i you know it does it does seem like you basically it's just like a vegetable smoothie basically i I, you're juicing is all you're doing like but maybe maybe in the night like maybe in the 90s that was still a new enough thing like it had been going on in la for a while Juicing and blending were huge in the 90s, uh, late 80s and 90s. I mean, do you remember the orange juice guy? The guy with the uh, big pointy white eyebrows and the tracksuits? I do not remember that. Did, did, what, did Could other people see this guy, Landon, or did he just come to you? Is, is like the orange juice like... guy in the room with us right now? <laughs> I feel like he was the... Uh... Um, the, the like, progenitor of all late-night infomercials. <laughs> uh, 
hold on, I'm looking him up. Uh, I have to. I, I, I have to find this. Is he is related to Ginsu knives and and the clapper? I mean, he's, he's a famous guy. I mean, he lived to like a hundred and something, and he all put it toward juicing. He's a famous guy. I just don't have his name on hand. We'll we'll get to the bottom of it. I'm sure someone will find it and correct us for it. But uh, <laughs> he was famous. That's all I'm saying. Okay. You can okay, see I, him if you go look on the internet. I, okay, I trust you that there there is an orange juice guy, and I just missed it because I was too busy drinking Diet Coke and you know. <laughs> fair and being unhealthy uh so anyway but so then they introduce their guest who is a noted food combiner named ray i didn't get his last name ray Uh, pleva and this takes us into not a character actor corner but a cameo corner oh we haven't had one of these in a minute (laughs) ray pleva is actually a michigan chef who invented the famous Plevian cherry burger, which is what oh. he he demonstrates here on Tool Time. Um, I'm on the website right now. Now um, I, I want to just you know give uh, R.I.P. to Plevia's Meats. Uh, there was a big notification when you go to their website. They went out of business in February of 2020. So. Ooh. Well, I don't know if that was, was that... COVID related or not, because uh, it was right before <laughs> they, it happened. But they, they saw they saw which way the wind was blowing, and they were like, "No, nope, we don't yeah. we don't want to be in there for this." Um, there's a note here at the bottom of their website, uh, and I want to just give kudos to them because they also put the nutrient facts here, which is like, who the fuck does that except yeah. California? Uh, and I'm way into it. Uh, the famous Plevian cherry burger uh, is as such. Uh, Plevian won the Michigan New Product of the Year Award in 1993. The Plevian Burger combines tart cherries with 91% lean ground beef to create a zesty product. The the cherries work to reduce fat, reduce calories, reduce sodium, and reduce cholesterol while maintaining taste, texture, and juiciness. It has a great taste to it. It's hard to believe that it is lean ground beef. See for yourself by ordering Plevian today. We promise you will love what you try. I'm, well, I mean, evidently enough people didn't love it if they if they went out of business. Not to dance on Plevian's well, grave look, or anything. Well, I mean, it went out of business in 2020, uh, February 1st, 2020. This episode premiered in 97, so that's a long run. Okay, I guess, you know, yeah, it was running for a while. I also just... I don't know. I guess I assumed this was just a goof because I've never once been eating a burger and thought, you know what would enhance this? Cherries. I really want to taste <laughs> cherry right now. To, Much for what it's worth. I've, I've, never been eating the... a mar- I've never been eating a maraschino cherry off the top of my milkshake and thought, you know what? This needs meat. I just want a um, burger in here. For what it's worth, uh, the people of Traverse City, I'm sure, have combined cherry with every single product under the sun at this point. They are nuts about their cherries. <laughs> they are not about their they're nuts about their fruits who you know who knew uh okay so so this is a this is a real dude hawking a real product on a fake show yes wow and just like so jimmy carter true well i mean yeah i guess habitat for humanity isn't a product but still i i, I he was still hawking it no he was hawking it very it was very hard uh although i would say i think jimmy carter is a better actor than uh this guy ray plevin <laughs> which is why they only gave him three words and, th- and that's and that's why I didn't vote for Ray Plevin in '77. Uh, uh, so, uh, but yeah, so he come he comes out and uh, he, when he comes out, he gets a weird banjo picking tool time theme. That yeah is a deliverance bit, not a misery bit. Um, <laughs> but 
yeah, he's got this, you know, unique hamburger made with cherries, which Al explains is a mix of, you know, Michigan's, uh, you know, beef with one of Michigan's greatest natural resources. Tim at first mm-hmm. assumes that that's motor oil. Of course, motor oil isn't a, like, they don't drill for oil in Michigan. They make cars in Michigan. I don't need to mish-splain this to you, but, like, the, motor oil <laughs> yeah. doesn't come from there. Motor oil comes from Saudi Arabia. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know enough about the oil industry to know. I know the, the natural oil comes from Saudi Arabia. Is it then concocted in Detroit, maybe? You know, it might be. L- listeners, if you're if you're out there uh, compiling a list of sports teams that I was wrong about, maybe actually do the due diligence and check and see the deal on motor oil, because I'm never going to undertake the effort to be right about this. But I'm, yeah, I don't know. Maybe motor oil does come from Michigan. Oh, boy. Um. Anyway, Al, kind of rudely for Al, says uh, that he, you know, he confidently pipes up and says, I think that I can come up with some kooky combinations. Uh, and Tim says, well, I think I'd be able to able to as well. Uh, and then Al kind of looks at him and goes, well, they might be kooky, but they wouldn't be edible. <laughs> <laughs> but that is that does that does hold up and wind up being true. So even if he's being <laughs> yes. even if he's being kind of bitchy, he's, uh, you know, he's he's right about it. <laughs> Um, uh, but that that spurs then a cookoff that they will have at the end of the week of Tool Time. Now let me ask you this because we've learned a lot about Tool Time recently. Yes, yes. Do you get the sense that this is a daily show, like five days a week? <laughs> I, you know, I guess I do. Yeah, is it like I a feel Sesame like they... Street. <laughs> well, yeah, or yeah, where they where where what where there's where there's puppets and and it's brought to you by different letters and numbers or or just <laughs> yeah, I I do get the impression that they make this every. day day but that they're just like giving themselves a week of shows before they do the food test right i mean god i hope it's a daily show because otherwise what is tim doing with himself the other four days of the week he's not prepping i tell you that (laughs) um so then they both try ray's burger and uh al goes hmm it's fruity yet beefy and and he says that, and I'm sitting there on the couch, and I'm watching Tim's eyes light up, and I'm watching him look at Al, and I'm just go. I'm just saying out loud, no, 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 Yes, yeah, it, it was, or, you know, and, and the shot is me, it's like the shot from Jaws of him on the beach as he realizes the shark is out there. It's just like, the, the foreground the is like shot. widening behind, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so fruity yet it's beefy. fruity yet beefy, just like Al. Yep. Cut to uh, a wait, cherry, wait. cherries dropping into a cow bowl that transitions us to the theme song. What were you going to say? The, I was going to say cherry dropping daddies. That's all. Um, (laughs) I have a note on the theme song, but we're getting long in this episode already. So I'm going to save it for next week. That's Uh, good. Expedience. Tune in next week for my theme song note. Uh, We cut to next week on grunt work. (laughs) We cut to Wilson's house. And I would say normally ding dong, but I'm actually going to say boom, 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 boom. Yeah, it's Jill's at the door. It took, <laughs> it took me a second to realize that those weird sounds we were hearing weren't incidental home improvement music. Yeah, but no, that's just Wilson's goofy doorbell. <laughs> uh, but so yeah, Wilson answers the door wearing a bathrobe and a medieval helmet, mm-hmm. and it's Jill who's come by to borrow some salt because she's out of salt. Think, how do you run I, out of? I salt? would even 
I would go so far, not to backtrack too much here, but I would go so far as to say it's not even a helmet. I think it's, this is what you would properly call a helm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a knight. It's what a knight wears. It's got a, naturally it has a drop down thing that covers your mouth. So of you course, can't yes. see all of it. Yeah. This is like what uh, John Cleese wears when he's uh, playing the Frenchman on top of the tower in yeah. Holy Grail. Yes, ab- absolutely. He's, you know, he... Yeah, Wilson, Wilson's criticism of the uh, of the Pevenberger or whatever from the previous scene is that it smells of elderberries, probably. <laughs> uh, but so Jill's come by to borrow some salt. Again, mm-hmm. I don't know how you run out of salt, but whatever. And uh, some squid for Tim's uh, recipe challenge. And yeah. Wilson says, oh, well, I don't keep salt in the house, but I got plenty of squid. Come on in. I have squid coming out my ears. Uh, and then Jill just stops in her tracks and goes, why are you wearing that? Uh, and Wilson goes, well, I just love the feel of terry cloth on my skin sometimes. <laughs> and then explains, oh, yes, the uh, the helmet. And uh, he explains that he is using the helmet as one of his props in an upcoming show that he's doing at Wayne State University where he's doing... A monologue about his life. Okay, so this is getting unnecessarily complicated for Michigan geography for me. Uh, why does it have to be at Wayne State University and a cafe? Why can't it just be a local cafe or something specifically to do with Wayne State University? I'm posing a rhetorical question here because I have an answer to it, a potential answer to it, later for this episode. I, I think they like, – my, my guess would be, as someone with no knowledge of Michigan geography, is that they were just – they really just wanted to drive home. He's going to be in an environment full of weird, hippy-dippy young people. Oh, boy. <laughs> Fair. These fish are going to be out of water, folks. Um, so – But Jill's, yeah, Jill's so, really excited. She's yeah. excited to hear his monologue. She's like, oh, my God, so many people are going to get to know about your life now. And Wilson's like, you're right. I'm going to I'm thinking I'm going to start with my jousting accident in Scotland into observing the mating habits of gorillas. Um, and I just want to point out uh, Wilson is describing Tim. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. He he's probably uh, he, based on how much Tim and Jill have been doing it. He's probably I mean, he's probably heard <laughs> some of those somersault contests from how close he is. And who knows, depending on where their fuck spots are, maybe he's seen some, too, just if he's been out grilling some raccoons uh-huh. at the wrong time. Uh, but Wilson then goes, hey, you know, why don't you guys come along? Uh, you might uh, you might like it. Um, yeah. And he's like uh, or Jill's like, oh, you should tell them about that time you played craps with Gandhi. <laughs> oh, the Mahatma lost his shirt that night. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> That somehow that scene didn't make it into the Richard Attenborough movie. I don't know why. <laughs> we get a squid tentacle transition taking us to the cafe. Uh, this is a whole new set, which I yeah. thoroughly appreciated. Yes, yes, it is. It is a whole ass new set. Although I feel like it probably is just uh, the Mike's bar or uh, <laughs> just a, a different version and a slightly different lighting scheme. Yeah, yeah, with you know mm-hmm. the stinkies have been put down below the below the counter so you can't see them anymore. <laughs> right. The um, camera's shooting at a different angle. Um the host uh, all of the tailors arrive. I'm surprised that it's all of them, all five. Yeah. Uh, they no, arrive. Nobody host... had anything better to do that night. <laughs> the host asks if they have a reservation and Tim says many. Uh <laughs> no no, hey, the host is a gothed up lady uh yeah. so this might be where mark is getting inspired for something that happens later down the line oh well yeah. okay listen i she 
Okay, I'm going to go into her now. Uh, this is our character actor corner. She appears uh, in a little bit, so but this is the first time she appears, so we're going to go into her now. She is played uh, by Jenny Vaughn. She has 27 credits, uh, including the remake of Prom Night, um, oh. Legally Blonde 2, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, but not the one you're thinking of. Um, it was one with what? Scott Bakula and what? Maria Bello what? What? in 1996. What? What? What yeah. a weird pairing. The same plot, <laughs> I'm assuming, as as what I'm thinking. Wow. Yeah. I, well, I mean, it's all based on the the Hitchcock, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, that you know yeah. would eventually become the Brad Pitt Angelina Jolie vehicle. But she was also in Gia and 90210, uh, <laughs> Beverly Hills 90210, um, Six Feet Under. Uh, so, listen. We forgot to cover this when you were guessing that title. Um, we don't have a prize picked out yet for this game. And I also, I listen, sometimes you got to course correct. I, I said that the new rules would be you'd have to get every single one of the clues this time in order for you to have a legit winning thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to amend that. I don't know exactly what it's going to be yet, but you don't, I, I think that's an unfair qualification. I, I think that... I think that whatever we wind up doing, we should keep the rules as complicated as possible and keep making minor changes to them from one episode to the next. Because I think that that really Great. helps the whole thing. Like, people never really know. Like, I mean, the, nope. whole, the, the only way that, that they got the Chalupas last time was because we, we changed a rule on a technicality edge case. That's um, fair. That's fair. Hmm. But it, okay. no, but also it is no, but also it's uh, at the same time. Even though I'm I'm doing a little roasting here, also it would be nice for me to not have to guess four different things correctly because that really puts the pressure on in a huge way. Well, that's the point is we want to ramp the pressure up, uh, but we got to make the prize all the better. But we don't have a prize yet, so listen, we're gonna be this is another in between week, Truman. You got the week off. There's no pressure Woo. for these answers, except Woo. your own pride. Well, I and look that that atrophied long ago, so uh, nothing <laughs> okay. at stake whatsoever. Do you want your clues? Well, I thought I thought I just okay. So uh, was she on Cheers? No, she was not on Cheers. Uh, was she not on Frasier? She was not on mm. Frasier. Do you want to know whether or not she was on NYPD Blue? Was she on NYPD Blue? She was on an episode of NYPD Blue. I'm glad I asked that. But even with that. The I'm question, say, I have to pose it to anyone who might be tuning in for the first time. God help oh, you if this is your first God, episode. G- get out now. <laughs> Was she on ER? Gonna say no. Hmm. In 1996, one year before this episode, she was on an episode of ER playing Son Brianna in of a, a Shift in the Night. That sucks i really should have trusted <laughs> nypd blue i figured with how few credits she had she wouldn't have landed an er spot <sighs> that's me i'm glad this went to- wow you know what i didn't think that i had any pride to lose but i've found <laughs> i i can feel some. a little more slipping away yeah i found some and i've lost it so great that's that's good <laughs> perfect man i I, su- your- I suffer for my art <laughs> <laughs> okay back to the episode uh she is the goth hostess uh, showing the tailors to their table. Yeah, and um, you know, a, you know yeah. how these hippie coffee shops work. You need to have a reservation, and there's assigned seating. <laughs> That's Listen, how coffee there, shops are. There is one guy in the background of this episode that has the most '90s haircut slash facial hair slash everything. There's just everything about him is just it, it screams '90s cafe culture. It's you could see him when they're walking in. 
he's bald. So just picture from his forehead all the way back, bald. But mm-hmm. he's got sideburns that go oh, yeah. up. Do you, are you, do you know who I'm talking about? I, I, I saw who you were talking about. I saw a specific guy. <laughs> like, much in the same way we discussed this years ago, uh, like the concept of a woman who has legs that go all the way up. This is a guy who has sideburns that go all the way up. All the I, way up. Like, up his temples. Like, it's not just by the ear going down into connecting the beard. This goes up his head almost to the top of his hairline. Uh, I, th- th- yeah, this does... this. You, he wanted to look this way very badly <laughs> and invested a lot of effort into this look. And my only regret is I, that they don't meet atop his scalp and don't connect. I, I had a, an ongoing game with myself and a friend years ago about coming up with the most ludicrous facial hair ideas. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought I had come up with one, which I called the hoodie, which was you you shave your mustache and the, the pipes connecting it to your goatee. Uh, yeah. But just right awkwardly on your chin and have it go up the sides of your face, but blend it into your hairline in such a perfect way that it looks like you're wearing a hoodie with the, the ties cinched. <laughs> <laughs> That's awful. That is a crime. Ag- that is a crime against hair. <laughs> yes, that was the point. Two, two things to that. One, John Travolta did that in a movie after I had come up with it. Uh, and two... This guy trumps that haircut for worse haircut. I can't look at this guy. He looks like he is a reject from a ska band. And you have to think, because this guy has no lines. He's just an extra. Yeah, why are we talking about him so much? No, no. What you have to think is, was his hair already like that? Or did he cut his hair like that for the show? To have no lines. Oh, he, he was picked background. off of Hollywood Boulevard for sure. Hey, we need to pick up some some uh, funky looking extras for this scene. Uh, go go check out the Viper Room tonight. See who you can bring in. So some anxious production assistant goes up to him. Hey, excuse me, sir. Would you like to make twenty five dollars <laughs> back now? That's actually kind of a lot of money. Uh, wow. Okay. Wow. We got to get back yeah. to the episode because my favorite line of the episode uh, is coming up. Where okay. they're walking to their seats, and uh, Jill is concerned looking at everyone. He says they look weird, and Jill says, uh, well, well, you know. Randy's con- concerned, and then Jill says. Or, no, or no, it's, it's Mark. It's 100% oh, Mark. It, okay, well, yeah, but you said Jill is concerned about people. Oh, okay, I'm being pedantic. Okay. This episode will be Sorry. three hours long. Continue. Go on. Mark is concerned uh, that everyone looks weird. He's, you know, out in the world for the first time amongst, you know, not adults you know, playing poker in his house, uh, mm-hmm. but actual, like, college students, people that he doesn't normally interact with. So uh, this is one of his first encounters in the real world. He's concerned that they look weird. They're all hippy-dippy-looking freaks. And Jill says, mm-hmm. well, you know, they're really no different than you or me. Uh, and Jill walks off, leaving Mark to fend for himself as a liberal hippie walks up to him and asks Mark if he wants to help overthrow military regimes in the third world. <laughs> and Mark... <laughs> Might have the delivery of the season to me. He he literally he puts up his hand in like the gesture of you know his index finger and thumb, like he's making a point when he says something, and he just goes, "I am 11. <laughs> and then walks away. It and then made me laugh so fucking hard. And this hardcore leftist organizer then is just like, oh, okay, yeah, what, like, he just, he just kind of backs off, like, oh, yeah, I didn't realize that, yeah, sorry, instead of going further, like, you're never too young to invest in radical social justice, so, 
I don't know. Shame. Oh my this god. Is, this is why this is why we haven't overthrown more military dictatorships in the third world because we're not getting the kids on board. You got to recruit for the next generation. Okay. Um. I think that this uh, character actor uh, who plays this guy is named Josh D. Donato. Uh, I'm not sure about that because it's just listed as student. So I'm I'm hoping this is him. It might not be. But if it is, guess what? He has one credit, and it is home improvement. So congratulations, Truman. You get a freebie. Yay! My pride is coming back. <laughs> okay. No, actually, uh, no, on. no, no. A win on a technicality. Actually, no. I feel more draining away. That's no good. Um, <laughs> so the first performer gets up on stage. Uh, the MC and comes up to introduce the first yeah, performer. True, true, true. Uh, yeah. Stuart, by, played by Robert Forrest. He has 11 credits. We're not going to spend too much time on the rest of these people. Uh, I don't know what this is. It's a short film called Gnome. Hmm. That, that's all I'm going to give you. <laughs> Gnome. So of his, of his five other credits, or six other credits, was he on ER? I'm going to just go out on a limb and say no to that. No, he was not. He was not. But he was on an uh, episode of, oh, my God. I almost misread that. He was on an episode of Law and Order Criminal Intents playing a character named Boland. Not Borland, which I thought it was. Boland. Boland. Well, Boland. I mean, maybe that's... I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that character was inspired by his work on this episode. <laughs> maybe. Um, okay, moving on. MC is introducing the first uh, of the performers for the evening. It is the hostess, the goth lady. She is here to perform some poetry. Yes, and she gets up there, and her poem goes, Die! 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 Go on! Die! And, and Randy's just sitting there at the table and just goes, <laughs> You first! <laughs> the Taylors are really critical of this show, by the way. It, Every it's, single it's, one of them. It's, mis it's Mystery Taylor Theater 3000 over here. They are... <laughs> <laughs> and not only that, they are so close to the stage. They have they the are. front of stage. Tim's feet are basically touching the stage, and they are still full-on roasting every one of these live performers to their faces. <laughs> uh, it's what I call the Gallagher zone. True. It's, it's, what, it's what I call the Goodfellas zone of when uh, they go through the back way into the nightclub or the Copacabana, and they get the person to carry a table in and set it for them right in front of the stage. <laughs> but it's, uh, it, they bring up... Yeah. No, I was just going to say, it's, it's as though they pulled some strings, or Wilson pulled some strings at Wayne State to get them this uh, this this cushy spot. <laughs> they bring up the next guest. It is a country singer who is singing about uh, picking food, uh, and it leads into everybody's picking on me, and then he starts yodeling. Um, this guy is played by Adam Lawson, if I'm getting the character correct. He has 12 credits um, outside of Home Improvement. Fresh Prince of Bel Air and the indie film SLC Punk. Was he on ER? No. Uh, I'm gonna say no. He was not on ER. You are correct, sir. Ha -ha. Back to the episode. Actual pride. Okay, go on. Uh, so he's singing. Uh, why does everybody pick on me? And then Tim says, uh, "I think I know why everybody's picking." He like leans over to him while he's performing, saying, "I think I know why." What I love about this moment is that when he starts yodeling he has this look of hatred in his eye and he's looking directly at tim yeah it's like he's trying to 
yodel curse him basically like this is a <laughs> this is he's like some kind of alpine voodoo like he's he's gonna you know put a hex on tim a yodel uh, this is what i think a yodel curse is you constantly have a scratchy throat and have to continually take uh ricolas yes <laughs> i believe it's pronounced ricolas oh my bad <laughs> That, and I think that was me toxinging a yodel, which is a first for this show. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, you know, this and this very much this, I think, part of why I was kind of a little hostile to this episode is that this seems to be a flashback to me of Tim going into an environment and because yeah. he doesn't like what's going on purposefully just trying to sabotage it so he can make jokes about it. But we saw that last week, too, with, <laughs> with the hotel band. I Guess we did, but you see, Janine Garofalo was there, and that made me oh, really fair, happy. Fair. And then I didn't okay. think about it. Nah, I mean, I'm not. This isn't. <laughs> this isn't that egregious, and it's fine. It's whatever. I, it's. It's not yeah. like him at the dance class that pissed us off so much three years ago. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, next. Next performer is a performance art piece of people moving around in a piece of fabric. Um, it's like a big market, sheet draped market, over like ten listen, people. Having come from a minor in theater, I've seen this particular thing done before. <laughs> I don't know that what I saw was meant to symbolize, um, you know, coming out of the womb, the way that Jill tells a confused Mark. Uh, but I've seen this done, and they are very critical of it. This is the one part where I'm like, eh, okay, I, your criticism and confusion is probably warranted. So so you're saying that this this performance is worse than when you saw it live. It was it was better with the original cast <laughs> is what you're saying. I would say this is better because at least there is a laugh attached to it. I mean, imagine sitting in a black box theater feet away from something like this and not being able to crack a smile. <laughs> that would be that would be pretty difficult. But maybe that's but maybe that <laughs> experience that discomfort, that tension is what mm-hmm, mm-hmm, the art mm-hmm. is all about. Maybe that's what you're supposed to feel. Let's get to the crux of this episode. The next performer yes. is Wilson. MC brings him up. Okay, now this is where I brought up that rhetorical question of why does this has to do? Why does this have to do with Wayne State at all? Mm-hmm. Um, because the MC throws a throwaway line out there that says he took a class from him on mis- mythical uh, classic mythology. My question to you, German, is: Is Wilson a professor at Wayne State University? That would. Okay, that would make sense on the one hand for him to be a professor there. That would be really cool. It would also be kind of inappropriate then for him to be at a student like open mic thing in a loin. I don't. At I times. disagree with that. In college, I went to a community college where there were creative writing professors that attended slam poetry slam, uh, uh, performances for sure. Okay. Okay. Well, you whether might they didn't there. perform at them, but they attended them. <laughs> The, the only reason I'd say that Wilson isn't a professor is because he's already said he's retired, but it would make sense for him oh, to yeah. be a professor. So maybe right before he reti- retired, he was a professor. Uh, look, uh, what, what, make, what would make more sense is that Wilson just occasionally audits classes there because he's Wilson. <laughs> uh, but then why did this guy take a class? Maybe he did like a meetup or something. <laughs> he's yeah. like, Wilson's bored in his retirement and just decided to start a meetup group of uh, classical mythology heads. And um, realized that he had something to teach. Yeah, this is before the internet. That was the that was the only way people stayed occupied. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what does make sense is that Tim uh, is asleep. 
Yeah, and Jill has to wake them up. (laughs) Jill has to wake them all up to say, hey, it's Wilson's turn. Let's pay attention. Um, Wilson starts by carrying a plant up to the... (laughs) Mike, for some reason, I don't know. It's never yeah, explained. I, I thought I thought it was like a basket full of all of his props stacked. Up, oh, oh, maybe that's on, it. On yeah, I think that was that it. would that would make more sense. Uh, but he goes on he, to start with the Scotland Moore story. Well, Were you gonna he, say something? He, well, he just kind of introduces himself by saying, "You know, I'm I'm Wilson, and I'm here to share some stories from my life." And I just have to say, if I'm at a if I'm at a performance art open mic night and then an old guy comes up and it's like, I just want to talk to you about a bunch of stuff I've done. I would be a little <laughs> upset about that. I would like, it's like, that is not in line with what this night is supposed to be about. Like you're not writing a song. <laughs> well, how you're not would you feel about it after a performance art piece of a bunch of hands moving inside of a piece of fabric? I mean, I can't, I can't say that I would be any more happy about that than, than, <laughs> The, I don't know, if I went to something like this, presumably I'd be the sort of person who who knew that he was going to get hands moving inside fabric and was excited to see that and was into that. And then okay. if that was if that moment is then complimented by I'm a I'm a retiree, I want to tell you some stories about going to Scotland and, and hanging out in Borneo. Like it'd be like, well, sit down, old timer, either turn it into a weird tone poem or stay home. Well, he does turn it into something a little weird. I mean. If I saw if I was at an open mic night and I saw an old man walk up in a night helmet, I would probably give him five minutes of my time. I guess so. I mean, I get yeah, okay, yeah. I guess the costumes save it. The costumes are what make it performance. Well, uh, okay, the costumes are also what I have an issue with here. But he starts with his Scotland Moore story, the way that he told Jill he was going to, and then he transitions it. We get a little dissolve uh, into his monologue, and he's. The- yeah, a lot of dissolves in this in this segment of the episode between the different acts. Uh, he's, okay, listen, there's no way to get around it. I didn't write this. I didn't perform it. I'm just commentating for you guys. He's going into his story about when he lived in Africa, and he's carrying an African shield and a spear. Speaks in an African tongue, uh, which translates roughly to Heidi Ho, neighbor. Yep. And then yep. he says that he did the dance of death because the chief had died. And when he turns around to do the dance of death, which is meant to be laughed at, he's also wearing a pretty B-movie caveman outfit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, <clears throat> like, it's it's like a loincloth with kind of one loose shoulder strap. It's Wilson showing a lot of skin, folks. And I mean, it's, it's basically what someone would wear if they were wearing a Tarzan costume to Tim's Halloween party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, if you look closely in the background of a previous Halloween episode, you might uh, you might see that. <laughs> but uh, but the My... audience, though, when they, when yeah. they reveal him wearing this, people in the audience, not the audience, at the coffee shop, but the studio audience yeah. go nuts. There are yes. people screaming and shrieking and wailing. It's as though Jesus has shown up. <laughs> My note here was everyone laughs and I don't feel good about it. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's weird. He's just doing this dance. And from that, we get a monkey jungle transition back to the kitchen. Yeah. Uh, Jill comes in complaining about the smell of food. We're going to our B plot where uh, Tim is making some food in the kitchen. She says, what are you making? Uh, and Tim says, I'm reheating the pancakes you made yesterday. Take that, Jill. Also, who Oosh. the fuck saves pancakes? Yeah, yeah. Who? If, like, you either eat those pancakes while they're warm or they're garbage food. Yeah, 
Yeah, you you either you either regret you either eat all the pancakes and regret it, or you save them and try to eat them and regret it because they don't keep very well. There, there is no way to consume pancakes without regret. There is no ethical consumption under pancakes. No, um, all of Tim's concoctions though are on the counter, and uh, Tim says, "Hey, uh, look at look at what I made. Um, it's a uh, chicken with banana drumsticks." And yep. my thought, my note here was. I get that you're in a competition with Al, but you can branch out doing different things than combining meats and fruits. Yeah, it's yeah, it's. I think Although that, I guess I it's, it is in sticking with Tim's character that he's not you know coloring outside the lines too much. I think he really just he really just saw like okay, well, well, this guy was able to have a successful business by compete by uh, combining meat and fruit, so I just. You know, I, I just need to find the next great meat-fruit combination and just, exactly. just, you know, mashing them together until he finds one that works. <laughs> Mark comes in. He has a newspaper. Why? Why? Uh, <laughs> it, has a, it has a review of Wilson's show. Uh, again, uh, why? why? Yeah, why, why, is, why is Mark reading the theater? Okay, two questions. First, why is a theater <laughs> critic going to a weird open mic night? That doesn't make any sense. It's the same sort of, it's the same, like, I have so many questions about newspaper journalism in this town, because it's the same thing, like, wait, wait, why is there a columnist in the school paper writing about who he saw get beat up at the mall? Because there has to be some sort of light shined in this post-apocalyptic world where there are boat accidents and car pileups with thousands of deaths every single week. You really need to cultivate the arts and culture as much as you can. The, the way that we keep the, 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 the you know, <laughs> flickering, dying embers of humanity alive is with kind of wry commentary on goings-on about town and local oh, theater. I, uh, but so, I'm, I'm really upset that I couldn't actually see the newspaper in this episode, but I'm right, sure right. it's populated with stuff like that. It, yes, and more and more commentary about the nations coming together uh, in the agreement. Um <laughs> But yeah, so so first, why is there a theater critic writing about open mic nights? Secondly, why is Mark into reading the like the like arts and leisure section? Aren't there comic <laughs> books, young man? You're eleven. You're too. You're too young to care well, about overthrowing foreign military dictatorships, but he is young enough to care about the local art scene. I'm trying to remember. Like I read the you know the Sunday funnies, uh, if that's what anyone under seventy calls them. No, I call um, them the funnies. <laughs> I can't remember what they were, like, sandwiched against. It might have been the arts and culture section. So maybe he was sifting through them and just happened to have seen it. I don't know. Yeah, he was, you know, his eye went directly from Heathcliff to the uh, theater review, and that was how he <laughs> caught it. Oh, he's not He's not reading Heathcliff. He's reading Foxtrot, for sure. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, it. you know, Heathcliff is one panel. It doesn't take you very long to read it. You just have to, it, this cat loves meat. There True. you go. Garbage ape coming back. Can we compromise and say that he was reading Prince Valiant? Okay, there. Th- this we can all agree on. Uh, or or maybe he's reading Mark Trail because they have the same first name. So uh, Mark shows them the theater review of the show. And while the reviewer loved everything else that was performed, he really did not react well to Wilson's thing because Wilson is so, like, out of touch, I guess. if you he, He's quote, pandering from his mountaintop. Uh, he okay. I didn't write down exactly what he wrote, but this is essentially he said that Wilson was pandering from his mountaintop and needs to stop long enough to go to a grocery store or a sporting event like the rest of us. If, if he um, wants to illuminate the human experience, he should try living it like the rest of us. 
which is like, isn't that exactly what makes interesting people is that they don't live like the rest of you? <laughs> you yeah, doofus. Like, what the fuck? Go f- stop writing reviews like this. He's, he's you, making... You do not belong in this game. He's making demands of artists that you commonly see people making of politicians. Like, this person is too elite. <laughs> right. They need to be more like us. Like, I don't... Like, and, and I don't know. I think, and I also think that's sometimes kind of a stupid demand to make of politicians, yeah. too. But, like, to... <laughs> why does... The, and also, why does he say, this guy's out of touch, but then, oh, yeah, ten people <laughs> underneath a bed sheet representing escaping from the womb. They're... Oh, they're spot on. That's life in the well, 90s perfectly yeah, encapsulated I know. by that. Uh, well, we all remember when Picasso threw out the first pitch at the Brooklyn Dodgers game. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it, the, but the ball was like square and it didn't fly very well, and and the mitt had been you know it was in it was in four different parts of the field. Yeah, <laughs> the grass was blue. Um, yes. Uh, anyway, Tim grabs it and reads it and says, "Hey, this is the same guy. Don't. This is stupid. This is the same guy who panned tool time because it said that I was juvenile." <laughs> <laughs> and uh but so <laughs> will you know tim dismisses this and he goes out back to see wilson and yeah. uh wilson is out there grilling and tim <laughs> goes you know oh, wilson what are you making some i don't know, i don't even remember i, I wrote it bison sausage yuck worst yeah. <laughs> and wilson says no just some some ordinary bratwurst because he's decided good, to get old his... american sausage yes. my unique food days are over and yeah. tim goes well mine have just begun <laughs> and uh and you know wilson is saying i, I want to become more normal i've got to go to monster truck rallies buy fast food from a clown i want to learn to crush a beer can on my head and i do think that was a funny that that was a funny line a funny inversion yeah. of like these are the things we consider normal hey who's who's the real weirdos maybe maybe the <laughs> maybe the real monsters are us do you ever think about that oh my god he essentially says he wants to be more like tim uh yes and then he goes and actually crushes a beer can on his head and tim goes well that's stupid how do you feel now <laughs> wilson not taking his hand off the beer can just kind of looks at tim inquisitively and just goes i hurt <laughs> I, I yeah I love the I love that phrasing not like it hurts just I hurt if <laughs> if you crush a beer can on me do I not hurt <laughs> we are Devo uh, into the next scene uh, two hands crush the scene take us to commercial we come back uh, Tim is coming inside to ask Jill how her day was and Jill just jumps right down his throat my day you want to know how my day was. Uh, she is very upset because Wilson, uh, wanted to be like everyone else, so he came over and watched TV all day. And Tim goes, did he watch Tool Time? And she says, no, he wants to be like everyone else. (laughs) Good line. (laughs) Solid line. Yeah. She hates to see Wilson like this, uh, says that he used to be so sensitive and intelligent, and now he's turning into you, uh, pointing to Tim. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Cut to seeing a bunch of pork rinds moving along the fence in the background. (laughs) Yeah. And and they go outside to find that, okay, to first find that Wilson has, ju- okay, so Wilson has been going to big box stores and he's bought huge amounts of pork rinds and toilet paper, etc. He's also just deputized the boys to carry all this into the house for him. I, I Well, I, I, he is bribing everybody with three-ply toilet paper, so. I, I suppose so, but what do the kids care about toilet paper? Their parents buy it for them. I just think it's weird to just Fair. be like, my neighbor's kids... I, they they are my labor force. They do they do what I need them to. Um, but uh, but he but he says I never you know says to Tim and Jill I never realized how much easier it is to buy toilet paper than to make it. And Jill goes, but you love making toilet paper. <laughs> we also need to mention 
Wilson has changed his appearance. He is now in like a full track suit and a backwards cap. You know Um, what normal people wear. (laughs) Normal people wear this. Like we're we're both dressed like that right now. Is the funny thing. (laughs) I listen to those Beastie Boys. (laughs) (laughs) You know, neighbor. I'm reminded of the the words of some gentleman from New York who said that sabotage (laughs) is uh, uh, like a mirage, really. Uh, so, so but he, uh, yeah, Wilson's like he says. Well, I can't make my t- uh, I can't make my toilet paper anymore when there's so much TV to watch. Um, and <laughs> there, okay, listen, <laughs> there's just a lot to talk about here. First, yes. he's offering Tim three ply toilet paper, which Tim says they can't accept. Um, he ha- what do you think has hooked Wilson in the TV realm in this time? What do you think is like <sighs> like captivated him? Well, look, if if I'm being honest, I know that at that point in time, Bravo was still showing opera, so that might have been the initial <laughs> okay. thing. Uh, uh, PBS t- was showing some some nature documentaries as well. Yeah, Masterpiece Theater, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, God, I don't know. And they're probably Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom or, or whatever. <laughs> like, that that was on at the time, right? And okay, so it's not going to be Manic. It's not going to be The Prisoner. Uh, it's it's going to be some... I, Wilson Wilson would be into the prisoner. Let's let's not let's let's not be wrong about that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Why but, or, and, and, the prisoner's and, amazing, and maybe some Frasier. Um, <laughs> but uh, he also but, talks about how the TV he bought has Splendo Vision, and Tim goes, "Oh God, oh, yeah, I, I wrote this Splendo this whole Vision. list." So oh, yeah. okay, he <laughs> Randy says uh, that he just he, they can't use brand names here. He bought a Matsushi seven hundred. Wilson says, that's right. It comes with a cone filter, P and P, <laughs> not, not picture and picture, not P, the letter N and P. It's P in P. Um, well, that's where you want your P. It's in P. <laughs> surround sound and Splendovision. What the fuck do you think Splendovision is? I think Splendovision is an artificial form of vision that has, like, less sugar in it and fewer calories than standard vision. It, you know, but it's, like, 200 times is, sweeter. Is the TV set pink? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and yeah, yeah, you... And when you order up your show, sometimes it's like, yeah, you know, I'd like an episode of Mannix with two Splendos, please. Uh, oh, my God. Um, yeah, Wilson asks Tim if he wants to come over and hang later to watch basketball with the guys. And Tim says, you have you got guys? guys? <laughs> and Wilson goes, mm, well, no, they're your guys. <laughs> uh, Harry and Benny. And then I immediately went, oh. <laughs> and yeah, I, I, I knew when as soon as he said that, I was like, oh, this Landon must be so upset by this. And not not long after, you get a double dose of him. So it, it oh, this episode God. took a real uh, sharp turn. But the last thing, so Wilson goes inside and Jill and, and Tim are walking back to the house. And, and yeah. Jill is lamenting that we've lost the old Wilson. And Tim is carrying this package of like 12 rolls of toilet paper. And he says, yeah, but the new Wilson gave me enough toilet paper to last me the afternoon. And I feel like we've just we've missed out recently on jokes about how astoundingly regular Tim is, but I, you know, do you I, call that regular? I say that's very irregular. I regular get, is I, when you have a specific time of day that you can count on. True, Tim true is all over the place. Well, uh, and if well, he's no, using that much toilet paper, may I introduce him to a little device called the bidet? 
<laughs> well, A, I think Tim probably uses a lot of toilet paper because then it fucks up the plumbing and it gives him an excuse to work on the house. B, oh, I think that if Tim, like, Tim pretty consistently has, like, over the course of the show, Tim consistently is just always taking dumps. So maybe that is regular. <laughs> Tim's specific time that he takes a dump is all the time. Folks, I'm sorry. I'm Pool sorry to time. everyone at home. The show made us <laughs> this way. But this the show made us do this, but it's not worse than Friends. Go on. We get a scene slide transition to tool time. Uh, Heidi is dressed as a chef as she introduces the show. Um, Tim and Al also come out dressed as chefs, kind of. Uh, more like grilling chefs. They have an apron and the, the chef hat on. Um, now, and Tim as, comes out and says, I'm Tim the Toolman Taylor, and you all know my side dish. <laughs> Al Borland. I thought was kind of funny as well. I, I, that was I funny. almost I called did. you a side dish. <laughs> I didn't want you to be offended. No, no, I wouldn't be offended. I love side dishes. Um, I, I just have to very quickly point out that that uh, Heidi introduces Tim and Al, and as they are coming out and the Tool Time theme is playing, we have this wide shot of the studio. She's off to the side dancing to the Tool Time theme. Yes, yes. Just, just, just. I don't know. I I know that in the she's, past she's really, <laughs> she's really into uh, Men Cooking Week for sure. I yes, and I don't know. I just I I, I like it. I like her having a little bit of business. Anyway, Me go too. on. Um, then we've come to the moment of, uh, the moment that everyone the moment has of been truth. waiting for. <laughs> the yes. moment of truth that everyone's been waiting for. Uh, there's been a drum roll all week long about the cook-off between Tim and Elle. Yep. Um, they bring out the taste tester. <sighs> Do you want me to say it? Please. It's Benny. Benny is the impartial taste tester. My note here is Benny is the judge. Jesus fucking Christ. This episode. Um, I don't I don't quite get the sense that Benny has a sophisticated palate. I'm just going to put that out there. He is shoveling powdered donuts into his mouth one after the other at Harry's Hardware. It's not like he is sitting down at the finest cuisine Detroit has to offer. I also don't get the impression that he's impartial because he's one of Tim's buds. Anyway, well, I don't know. I I would go as far as whether or not he's biased toward Al or Tim that I think he could play that down the middle. I mean, he's spending most of his time at Harry's Hardware where Al is a co-owner. So I have to imagine he probably sees more of Al than he does of Tim. True. That that might be fair. That might be fair. But also Al might have to enforce the like, okay, the donuts are free, but you can't eat all of them policy. (laughs) True. But he's also getting something free from Al every day as opposed to just, you know, uh, simple friendship from Tim. Okay, I guess my other point is just that there's presumably like a million people in Detroit, and this is the fucking one you pick. Right, that's okay, that's that is, that's the important point that we really need to, <laughs> to Thank highlight you. here. Thank you. Because um, uh, why, why, Benny? Just why? Uh, just why? Anything. Why is um, Benny? They are <laughs> grading on a scale from 1 to 10. Uh, 10 being great, 1 being inedible. <laughs> Benny's mm-hmm. like, I'm familiar with the rules. Uh... <laughs> They start so, with Al's dish. Yes. And as Benny starts to eat it, uh, Heidi comes up behind Benny and holds up a placard listing what it is. It is mm-hmm. root beer chicken in a guava oatmeal sauce. Yum, and, yum, And Benny likes it, and he gives it 8 out of 10. Savory, tangy, with a carb- uh, it's a carbonated delight. An 8? Yes. And I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought it was going to be an 8 out of 10, but instead you were standing at 8. That made more sense. At 8. Uh, and then Tim puts his out, 
uh, yep. which Heidi puts up a sign. Caramel flounder with chocolate chip chutney. Uh, and Benny tries that, and he's not as fond of it. Nope. He uh, covers his face, mostly. Everyone can smell this thing. It He calls it lumpy, noxious, and an insult to his colon. Minus two. Um, Out of ten. Now, here's what I have to say. Lumpy, noxious, and an insult to his colon is also how I would describe Benny. Hey, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Benny is an insult to his own colon? <laughs> to my colon. Oh, are you eating Benny? <laughs> no, but whatever I ate before I see Benny and have to deal with Benny makes me so upset that it irritates my colon. Let's keep moving well, listen, on. I, uh, I, can, I can hook you up with a guy who has a lot of uh, uh, three-ply toilet paper. Okay, so. Oh, great, yeah. They move over to the second part of this uh, competition. Um, Al says, unless your drink is 10 out of 10, uh, you're sunk, Tim. Um, but Tim, he's got a secret, uh, secret up his sleeve. He's made a lima bean drink. He knows how much Benny loves lima bean. That does not seem like it holds water at all. Does not track but for a second. Whatever. <laughs> yep. And so he he puts that in, and then he, uh, you know, he pours in some other stuff as Benny is coming over to watch, and then he pours in some buttermilk and adds a little baking powder for foam. And Al says, you know, Tim, buttermilk and baking powder together can be kind of a volatile mix. And Tim disregards him and then tells Benny to push the frappe button on the blender. And the thing explodes and shoots. Not a good gag. And I'm going to put this one on Benny. Um, Yeah. Put your hand on the top of the blender. I mean, that's how you use a blender, sir. (laughs) I mean, it's not it's not a good gag first in that. Wait, all of this was built. This is the punchline. It's just, okay. a thing blows up. Tim made a gross meal and a thing blows up in Benny's face. B, yep. the actual blowing up, it's not like, it's just like a, a little bit of stuff shoots out and splatters onto Benny's face. It's not even when, like, it's not even a huge amount. When you start the amount. episode with firefighters, you yes. can't go out with just spritzing someone in the face. When when last week a, a television shoots up out of an entertainment center <laughs> and then falls down smoldering, yeah. you can't then have it just be a mild kitchen mishap that doesn't even really make that much of a mess. <laughs> Oh, we get a sponge wiping off the screen transition. Listen, I've mentioned it before. I don't mean to be gross. It's the TV show that's doing it. We seem to get one after the other of white liquid squirting at the screen. <laughs> Keeps happening. But oh, uh, here we go. Sponge wipes that off and, and takes and, us to Wilson's and still, and still, Friends is a worse show. Still. <laughs> even with these missteps. Uh, uh, at Wilson, uh, Tim comes in. Uh, Harry and Benny are already there watching the basketball game. Benny has 50 bucks riding on it, and um, Harry asks, well, what's the spread? Wilson comes in. I I love this little bit by Wilson. Uh, He comes in completely misunderstanding the question, says, well, because he's bringing in some snacks. (laughs) The the spread is a delightful aerosol cheddar (laughs) with a shelf life of 45 years. (laughs) And, uh, you know, and Tim... Tim or Harry try to explain to Wilson what this means, but Wilson just keeps standing in front of the TV trying to tell them weird facts while they're... Uh, the, the history of games, which I thought was really audacious. <laughs> and uh, and he... So anyway, Wilson leaves the TV to go into the kitchen and get the, the pizza rolls or the mini pizzas or whatever. And as he's leaving, he says, okay, don't do the wave without me. And... <laughs> Then he goes, is it my imagination, or is Wilson more annoying than me? Uh, nope. Yeah. No. 
It's not. No, he's not. Sorry. I mean, he's being kind of annoying right now, but not more than you, Benny. Not for a second. And I also don't find this version of Wilson annoying when he's annoying the people who are typically annoying. Like, Uh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Very, yeah, but no, that is that is very, yeah. This is this is sort of vigilante justice again. You know, <laughs> I I will fight annoyance with annoyance. Yes. Um. So <laughs> Wilson comes out carrying a massive, uh, bowl of crackers. I think it is. And yeah. um. Well, no, it's cra- the pizza. I think it's pizza rolls. Is what it is. Oh it's my god! Like mini pizzas. A bowl of mini oh, pizzas. A bowl of mini pizzas. Um. Which. As he starts to continue to talk about the history of games, Benny and uh, and Harry are just like, nope, I'm out of here. Um, and Benny well, takes... He, the, yeah. Well, no, he's, he's say, like, he keeps talking. Harry says, we can't hear the game and your facts at the same time. So then Wilson goes, oh, okay, and he turns off the game. <laughs> right. That is what gets them to get up to leave. Yeah. But yes. Fair point. Uh, but then when they leave, Benny, in true Benny stupid fucking fashion, takes the plate of snacks with him. Um... Look, Benny, go I fuck yourself. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of like, like I agree, it's a dick move, but I kind of like it. I think it's because Wilson's like, but what about the mini pizzas? And Benny just wordlessly comes back in, picks them up, walks out with them. It's telegraphed well. The joke is executed well. It's a process thing. <laughs> he does, he does it every time he's on the show. And I, whatever. I'm Look, not going to get into my Bennyisms. I've talked it, about Tarantino too much. I'm not going to talk about Benny. It's, it's the it's same, Stockholm same Center. ballpark for me. <laughs> Benny loves feet. Let's just be honest. And and he keeps and he keeps buying independent movie theaters in Los Angeles so he can only show his movies. Anyway, um, oh. Wilson laments the fact that he's never going to be one of the guys, and that the reviewer didn't just criticize his show but criticized actually his life. And yeah. Tim tells Wilson that well, you know, that's what's great about Wilson and what w- Tim likes about Wilson is he's always been so comfortable with who he is, and says, yeah, you know, it's tough. You went on a limb and you gave it your all and you got a little hammered, and. Wilson asks Tim, well, you know, you have your show and you get bad reviews sometimes. How do you not take it personally? And, okay, I do like this that now Tim is quoting advice back to Wilson. I just don't like necessarily the outcome. Uh, (laughs) Tim quotes Sammy Davis Jr., uh, I gotta be me. And Yeah. Well, well, and it's just, I want to pause there for a second and just go, I like that, you know, every once in a while we get these Tim Wilson table turn scenarios yeah i do like that tim isn't like grasping for some sort of philosopher or bastardizing some sort of axiom that you know wilson usually spouts at him tim is actually reaching for something in his wheelhouse and comes up with something somewhat applicable i like that yeah yeah no okay i just wanted to make that point and now we can move on no, I totally, I totally agree. Like, I think that you know he pulls from pop culture, and it's which is something that he knows, and it's a good, it's a good message. I gotta be me, be yourself, be comfortable with yourself. It's good. And then the scene ends, and we don't ever have to talk about anything else. Yep. Do we? Yep. Nope. Nothing else happens. Nope. End of episode. <laughs> Ding. Um, no, folks. I'm sorry, Landon. Go to your go to your safety place if you need to. Um, Wilson says, "I spent my life studying the great philosophers, and it all comes down to Sammy." Tim says that when it comes to wisdom, there's nothing like the candy man. And then he's walking into the kitchen and Wilson goes, I want to thank you for not bailing out on me. And then Tim comes back in. This is the end of the episode, ladies and gentlemen. Tim comes back in. This is the joke that the episode ends on, folks. And he just does a shitty Sammy Davis Jr. impression for so long. Oh, man. Like, you could have done one line and it still wouldn't have been okay, but at least it wouldn't have subjected us to so many 
he and, keeps and going. It's like five lines long. It, it is. I, I, Landon, because I love you and because I love our listeners, I, I rewatched the scene so I could write it, them down. And I'm not going to do the impression because I'm young enough that I don't really have a good sense. I know that he was part of the Rat Pack, but I don't have a good sense <laughs> Truman, for Sammy Davis Jr. You you are a white man in 2021. If you had a Sammy Davis Jr., I would <laughs> say we have things to talk about. But he, he says... Oh, man, no change, baby. I love you the way you are, man. I dig you, cat. I mean, cat. Can you feel the love in this room? It's thicker than clam chowder, baby. It's just you repeating it. I'm like, when does it stop? Even it goes, it knowing goes so that long. it has an end at some point, you you just going through it. I'm like, oh, that's it. No, that's the end. No, that's the end. No, it's still going. Why is it still happening? Watching it, I'm like, who who on the show thought this was good did tim <laughs> insist that this stay in like the, who decided on this i i don't know my i i this is one of the few times <laughs> in recent history that i had a verbal reaction and i i wrote down the word that came out of my mouth it's not even a word it's a sound it wasn't yuck it wasn't yek it was yach <laughs> yach yach <laughs> was just like it came out of the bowels of me i don't know it was it not anything bowels man this episode <laughs> well it came out it came out the top end i'll say that uh, the, the, but i wasn't all, expecting all of, it to all of the squid and lima beans and everything else was finally uh finally repeating on you oh, um yeah so in 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 the end then in our stinger uh mm-hmm. Tim and Wilson are still hanging out trying to figure out you know t- like Wilson doesn't know how he's going to get rid <laughs> yeah. of a metric ton of pork rinds and cuz he's uh, getting rid of everything he bought while he was normal for half a day um yeah. there <laughs> I don't know how I feel about this <laughs> I don't want to break it open with you here but um he says that he's become accustomed to some of the high tech devices that he uh, introduced himself to um he might keep the stapler <laughs> that kind of Made me giggle a little bit. Um, But he's anxious to get rid of the answering machine. Uh, He goes, it's been blinking all day long. (laughs) Tim goes, well, that means you have a message. Um, He presses the button, and it's Stuart, the MC from the show, saying that uh, Wilson's uh, monologue had a big impact, and they want to have him back if he's not booked already. And (laughs) I I think this is one of those things that's like, really, you're going that dumb with it? That it kind of made me laugh <laughs> that yeah. they went that that dumb with it. But yeah. Wilson, not knowing how an answering machine works, listens to Stuart and then uh, bends down <laughs> to the answering machine and just goes, thank you, Stuart. <laughs> Tim, is, Tim looks at him and goes, he, he can't hear you. <laughs> it's an answering machine. <laughs> and so Wilson just yells. <laughs> Thank you, Stuart. <laughs> it's like, so here's the thing. I, de- I decided it's funny. <laughs> it is. No, I mean, it is. It's it's good. It's good for a larf. And at the same time, it's like, it, the, it kind of suggests that it's- Wilson has spent so much time traveling the world and only in America are there answering <laughs> machines. See, okay, here here's a point that we didn't touch on at all during the episode, which is a lot of the, what's made of Wilson's problem is that he's out of touch with reality, which I've never quite grasped onto as a real thing in this episode, because how could he be out of touch with reality and still give Tim applicable advice week to week? Yes. This is the only thing that he does in the episode that makes me feel like he's out of touch with reality. (laughs) 
and oh. mind, mind you, Tim in an, in an earlier episode in an earlier season picks up the phone thinking he's being pursued by a murderer and says, "What's the number for nine one one?" So who's really more out of touch here? If anything, <laughs> they are equally out of touch. Oh my God, Truman! What are we doing? I think this the stinger broke me. Yeah, yeah. Let's I don't end know this man. episode. I think Sa- I think Sammy broke me. Honestly, I don't feel like a groovy cat right now. I don't either. Um, we have one more thing that we do on this show, uh, and that is <gasps> the grunt count. That's right, Landon. How many grunts do you think there were in this episode? Um, I think that's a trick question. Really? Yeah, because <laughs> I don't think there were any. Well, you know, Landon, it's it's not really a trick question when when it's had the same answer for the vast majority of the episodes this season. But you're you're correct. Well, you, I think you, we need to change the question to: Do you think there were any grunts in this episode? So so now it's not it's not like what quantity of grunts were there? It is again a binary proposition: Were there grunts or were there not grunts? <laughs> yeah, How right. And so fallen. it becomes like: If yes, then there's a sub question of how many. god okay yeah it's like when you're filling out when you're filling out a form and it's like you know there's a space below it to explain like like you know yeah if you if you have been convicted of a felony please explain what went on with that if you did hear a grunt in this episode please tell me how many oh my god okay so there were zero there were zero congratulations there so much fanfare um okay Let's uh, just do a quick preamble. I just want to... Um, post amble. We cannot start the podcast again, Landon. Did I say preamble? You said preamble. <laughs> it's a post amble. So listen, amble I need podcast. to issue apology. I started watching Friends and I want to apologize. Oh, God. Um, uh, post amble. I just want to reiterate what we said last week about the Chalupa Challenge. Um, we figured it out. So uh, if you guys want your Chalupas, we got them ready to go. We just need you to send us your email address to info, I-N-F-O, at gruntworkpodcast.com, and we will get you them Chalupas. Again, this is only applicable to people who were Patreon subscribers before we won the challenge. So yes, info, I-N-F-O, at gruntworkpodcast.com. Dot com. That's all I got for this episode. Do you have anything we didn't cover, Sherman? I, I think we covered everything in excruciating detail. There's not a single thing we missed. <laughs> the, we covered it in chocolate chip chutney. Um, and blasted it all over our faces. <laughs> it is made possible by our patrons. So if you enjoyed today's episode and want to help us create the show, build it, improve it from the ground up, consider becoming a... Official Gruntnet sponsor over at patreon.com slash gruntworkpod. Hey, while you're at it, if you like the show, why don't you go and leave us a rating over on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to these things. It's the fastest way to get us in front of other people's ears. Stop by to say hi to us on Twitter and Instagram at gruntworkpod or visit our website at www.gruntworkpodcast.com. <laughs> wow, you! I, 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 my blood ran cold for a second, Landon. <laughs> if, if I'm not reading the name of the website, what's my job on this podcast, really? It's just become a solo show. <laughs> Where you can also find information about today's episode and sign up for a weekly newsletter to be notified whenever a new episode is released. Until next time, when we bring you another episode of Home Improvement. I've been Landon Solano. 
I've been Truman Caps, and whoever you are, wherever you live, if you ever find yourself in a situation where you need to dispose of a metric shit ton of pork rinds, contact me, Truman Caps, care of Gruntwork Podcast, and I will help you with that problem. I, I can solve it for you. I can help you.